For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hey, everybody. This is our Friday show. Uh, hopefully you've uh, been able to hear all of uh, Tasha's episodes. If not, I'd encourage you to go back a lot of just excellent wisdom and counsel on uh, teaching students and even teaching parents as well as we talked about yesterday. Uh, so um, Tasha, a, a question we ask everyone who comes on the show has to deal with uh, books. And as we've kind of already talked about, we're to be lifelong students uh, for sure. And so just that constant need to be, you know, reading and studying. Uh, and so in light of that, just what are some classic books uh, that have influenced your model of teaching? And then after that, maybe get into some books you're currently reading as well. Uh, so what are some of those classic books that influenced your model of teaching? Yeah, sure. So I've got a, I, I took your classic word, um, literally, I've got a few that I, I still use quite a bit. I still send people to in my courses, um, even though they're quite, quite old um, books by now. And so these are, these may strike your listeners as kind of odd, uh, some of these <laughs> books, but I'll give a little apologetic for each one and, and they might go um, see if they can you know, grab a bit of the library, see um, what's up with it. Yeah, we're, we're, um, we're good with some odd books. That's okay, <laughs> yeah, these are. The first one is um, written by, it's an edited volume written by evangelical um, Christian academics uh, that were in the teaching and learning profession. So they're educators, mostly social scientists, but evangelical Christians. Um, the title is Nurture That is Christian, um, subtitled Developmental Perspectives on Christian Education. So this is Baker Bookhouse, 1995, would you believe? Hmm. Um, but I have not seen to date anything quite like it. Wow. Uh, what it does is it summarizes the key developmental theories um, that were out there at that time that had been researched and worked on for 20 years already, had gone global already, um, you know, where the developmental social scientists, again, most of them not believers, but through God's common grace, keen observation on humans and how humans predictably develop. Um, now, obviously, sin, brokenness, uh, illness, sickness, etc., can halt our, our normal development. But really great descriptions of how human beings tend to develop in every culture around the world um, that makes it predictable. Hmm. Um and so what this book does, and it's, it's not a heavy read, it's, it's not full of Christianese or, uh, you know, language of the, of the guild, um, pretty straightforward. Um, it's each chapter by a different author summarizes the key findings from that developmental theory in general. Um, and, then it, and then it shows how this can impact ministry, how, how these findings can actually help us understand and respect who we are. Um, as God's image bearers, as human beings, um, and how that can really strengthen our ministries. Um, so it's pretty eye-opening um, and changing. It's kind of one of those aha type of books of, oh, that's right, this is describing 
um, how I have grown and changed in different ways as a person, not just cognitively, uh, but grown and changed in my social abilities, grown and changed in how I made sense of the purpose of life, for example. That's actually, that category is actually called faith development, but faith is uh, described in that social science as kind of how you make sense of the world. Um, and so the descriptions can really help us understand what both is challenging a certain age group um, and and what is uh, what it, are the capabilities. Um, so it can really help us, uh, you know, to pull up those those understandings and realize, oh, I hear my teens working at this level, but the social scientists tell me, you know, in this theory, they describe that actually my teens have the capacity to be functioning at a higher level, for example, in moral development. Hmm. Uh, that's one where we tend to see ourselves functioning at a very low level, but we actually have the capacity to function at a higher. And what would that look like for me to really help my teens grow in their moral capacity, their moral um, functioning uh, in line with their actual capacity, for example. Yeah, that sounds like a fascinating book and it kind of goes back to what you were saying on the first day of just really knowing our audience, you right. know, knowing the students, kind of knowing where they are. And so that could spark different thoughts of how to, you know, apply certain truths um, at various ages. So that's, that's very helpful. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, there's a very, very popular has been for decades and decades book, kind of what to expect when you're expecting, right? Mm -hmm. For people who are pregnant, um, but, but really we have that kind of scientific help for the whole of life. Uh, you know, as we get older in adulthood, we have less and less science on how we develop and change. Um, but especially for the early years up through 25, 35, we have a lot of great science that can really help. Um, it helps calm us down. It helps us understand each other better. Um, it can help us teach more respectfully uh, and with better clarity of what the challenge is um, mm -hmm. for our learners. So it's, um, that book's just a great introduction uh, to it from a, a Christian worldview. Mm -hmm. so highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now the second one. <laughs> the second one also looks and sounds a little bit like a college or graduate textbook, um, which probably it is. Um, <laughs> and, and now I do not know the faith stance of the authors, um, mm -hmm. so it is written to uh, the university, broadly speaking. It's called Teaching Intensive and Accelerated Courses, Instruction That Motivates Learning. That hmm. I know is an incredibly dry, boring title, Teaching <laughs> Intensive and Accelerated Courses. Um, it's by Raymond Wachowski and uh, Marguerite Ginsburg. Um, the version I've been using is 2010. I don't know if they've updated it since. And mm -hmm. this book itself is an update from previous research of the past decade, so a lot of research. The basis is these guys um, and, their, and their people have done a lot of research on what's the internal motivation for us to learn and how can we enhance that? So it's the idea of, hey, you've got your teens gathering uh, at your meeting. Now you can put all kind of external pressure on them to engage and mm -hmm. to be present and to concentrate on what you're doing. Um, but how do we, can we actually teach and set up the environment so that our internal motivations to learn and grow and change are, are developed? And the answer is yes. And so he has a very clear four-part theory based on research of what really stimulates our internal uh, um, eagerness to learn and change and grow. And then uh, most of the chapters in the book are actually just then all the different methodologies you can use that actually will do that with your learners. 
it was written for adults. It was written for adults assuming um, accelerated courses like um, a distance education course or a college course on a campus um, that has been shortened into an intensive. Um, but actually, it applies to most everything we do in ministry is an intensive, if you think about it. Um, we tend to have uh, very short, in a sense, terms. Um, we have just meetings. Um, people, the same people are going to be there every week. Um, so we're doing things here and there really fits. Um, but what it ends up being is just a great book to help us think about that psychologically safe climate for learning that we talked mm-hmm. about um, in, an early, in our, uh, what was that, in podcast two? I'm not sure. And uh, yeah, um, how to set that up, how we can really engage our learners well so they'll be internally eager and excited uh, to participate and to, to grow and change. And it gives a whole lot of different methods. So it's, it's almost one of my favorite methodology books for creative mm-hmm. methods. Um, Interesting. Yeah, well, they, these aren't odd at all. I mean, they're very helpful. Um, ones that we haven't had, you know, mentioned on the show, obviously. <laughs> no, they're not <laughs> but, too but, typical. But helpful ones for sure. Yeah. 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 Now, the third one, <clears throat> this is even going to be farther away from a Christian worldview, in a sense. So I just want to put the caveat on this book um, that is incredibly funny. It makes me laugh out loud every time I read it. And I read it every other year because I assign it for a course, actually. Um but there are actually a few bits in the book that are actually offensive to Christian values. Mm. So with that caveat, this is a longtime bestseller. I think it's been a bestseller for almost 30 years. Um, it's Roger Von X, A Whack on the Side of the Head. Hmm. Okay. So, more more interesting is, title than the previous yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> Whack on the Side of the Head. It has very humorous um, pencil drawings in it. And um, basically what happened was... Um, uh, this author studied and researched creative thinking. Hmm. And um, and so he's got this book on how to increase your creative thinking, and it's a very creative book. And it actually has you practice these ten, ten different ways um, to, uh, as in his words, to um, pursue creative thinking. Um, but from an, a, a more educational point of view, um, the reason I like to use it even for a, a course that I teach is that it's actually taking the reader through experiences, through very humorous and, and uh, creative methodologies, uh, with visuals, with word plays, all different kinds of things. It's taking the learner through experience of critical thinking. Hmm. So really, it isn't just about being creative. It's actually about doing the hardest type of cognitive work, where we're actually having to get our own assumptions out of our head, in front of us, and then break them. And, and change them and mess with them. Um, and so that's the deepest, some of the hardest learning that we do. Um, and, and so it's like a book on, a very funny book on how to help us be wrong in 10 different ways, <laughs> 10 different types of methodologies to help us be wrong that are very fun, very engaging, hmm. uh, and can help us, help us learn well uh, because they get at our assumptions uh, in such a way that then those assumptions can be changed uh, more towards the truth. So that's my third one, a whack on the side of the head. <laughs> and that very sounds very, fun. yeah, very balanced. Um, like I said, with some of the other titles and then that, and I'm actually, I'm pulling it up, looking at it on Amazon as you're talking about it. So 25th anniversary edition. Um, okay. Yeah, best-selling. It's a creative thinking classic. So yeah, very, very interesting. And yet again, another one we have not heard on the show yet. <laughs> 
Right. And again, it's, it's one of those ones that ministry leaders can grab and say, hey, this actually gives me 10 different types of methodologies to help me really engage learners 10 different ways that we can all really enjoy. Yeah. Um, that's not me lecturing. It's not me trying to have all the answers, um, but can really help us learn and work at, at those higher cognitive levels, mm-hmm. actually. Um, so it's, um, it's a surprising, surprising little paperback. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, any others that you had? Well, those are those were my top three because they were they're so different, and I keep going back to them over and over <laughs> again. So that was kind of where I was going to leave that. It's easy for me to um, get lost in the academic um, things that that can be harder to recommend. <clears throat> but I'll tell you one that I I have been enjoyed working on the last few years. Still keep pulling it up because. This may spur um, some some listeners to go to these things, but you know our neuroscience in the last ten years has gotten to the point where uh, we can actually apply it uh, to the teaching learning process directly. Uh, the brain science is really speaking into how we do learn uh, more clearly, and a lot of what we've observed, you know, most of our educational research, uh, social science research, is just on observation. Well, now we can actually see it in the physical changes mm. in the brain. And so um, there's one called How the Brain Learns. Again, it keeps, um, it's David A. Sousa, and he keeps bringing out uh, new additions every few years because the science keeps uh, growing and changing. <clears throat> Fascinating book. He just takes one step at a time on what's going on in the brain, um, what does it look like. He's got lots of diagrams and visuals, what has the research showed, and then he goes very practical. And at the end of each chapter, he'll show um, he'll give practice for the actual reader to try this with their own brain, in a sense, uh, and then say, well, how, how, what might this look like if we're working with a group of learners? Uh, what kind of methodologies might we be using? Um, because this is how the brain works. For example, um, they've learned that <clears throat> our, uh, our, our uh, short-term memory or the memory we use to work on something in the moment is actually very, very limited. And so um, most researchers are saying probably limited to four items. Um, one said we could get as many as seven maybe, but it's kind of the idea we can only have four, four uh, actors on the stage uh, when we're trying to, to do something. Um, and so that just tells you, wow, as soon as I'm trying to do anything with my group of learners and there's more than four pieces, I have got to get it out of the oral sphere. We've got to start charting. We've got to start writing lists. We've got to start drawing. We've got to get visuals because we just can't hold uh, that many things in our minds and then work with them at the same time. Mm. Um, So it becomes very pragmatic that way. So Mm. anyone that wants to dig into the neuroscience, that's a a hefty, readable book. You wouldn't want to sit down and read it uh, any more than one chapter at a time. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe go back and forth between that and a whack in the head, maybe. I don't yes, know, just to... <laughs> that would be the perfect combo, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, those are very helpful, very interesting uh, books, and we'll you know get these links up on our website so people can refer back to that. Um, what about before we close out, are there any books you're currently reading um, that don't necessarily have to do with uh, Christian education, but just anything that, that you're enjoying reading right now? Yeah, um, right now, actually, I'm enjoying going back to, because of a leadership course I'm teaching, I'm enjoying going back to um, <clears throat> Schizero, um, do you know that name, S-C-A-Z-Z-E-R-O, uh, to Peter Schizero's three books on healthy 
healthy emotional uh, intelligence, healthy leadership, healthy church, emotionally healthy church, emotionally healthy leadership, I think. Uh, yeah, I don't have it in front of me, sorry. But his three emotionally healthy um, books are, are very readable, very accessible. Um, and then he has, uh, I mean, the price of the books, um, uh, the, the questions he has in there for us to engage the reader uh, worth the price of the books. Yeah, mm. just very insightful. And um, I, I find I go, I'm going back to those again, uh, even this time, working with emotional intelligence. How do we understand our own emotions, the emotions of others? How can we respond well? But not just that, I think we can easily get ourselves in a, in a rut uh, there because we can feel so inadequate. Mm-hmm. Um, but real, that, really that encouragement of, oh, I can grow in this. Mm-hmm. I, I can pursue this. There are some simple things I can do. Um, that will really benefit not just um, me and myself, uh, my walk with the Lord, but all the people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's just a set of three books, actually, that I'm going back to right now and enjoying again. Right. So well, thanks that, for asking. Yeah, absolutely. Again, those sound very interesting. Um, and, and Tasha, just thanks again for uh, taking the time out all this week to, to be with us and pass along some, some excellent wisdom and counsel for us as we uh, try to teach the next generation. You know, that's our passion at RYM. And so uh, that's a lot of good counsel uh, for us. So thank you for that. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you to those who are listening, um, just eager for the discussion. So thank you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to The Local Youth Worker. As always, we hope you've been encouraged and equipped in your call as youth workers. If you take time to rate this podcast on iTunes, it would greatly help us. As always, we want to thank Joe Deegan for providing the music and encourage you to go out and purchase his newest CD, Cover and Title Page, which you can find at iTunes. See you guys next week. Have a great weekend. Oh, come and buy without money. Oh, come and feast without